to do this morning is continue my teaching in the book of Colossians. So turn with me, please, to Colossians chapter 2. And again, there are uh, notes for you to be able to uh, look at on page on the back of the announcement sheet. Colossians chapter 2. This is page... We're going to be on page 1472, page 1472 in the Congregational Tanakh. And uh, I'm going to read something that's a little long, but I think it's important uh, as we consider this passage. Uh, this is by an article by this is an article by Adam Alvarado, Adam Alvarado from uh, June 26 of 2012. The title: The Problem with Being a Suck Up. Now you may say, "Well, you're pushing the envelope here." Uh, I want you to listen to this. This is actually really good because I think a lot of believers struggle with what he's going to talk about in regards to their relationship with God. He's going to talk about it in terms of relationship with people and bosses. So some of you might really relate to this. The brown noser, the behind kisser, the groveler. You know who I'm talking about. There's always one, isn't there? There's always some unfortunate dude or lady at work or amongst your friends who thinks their ticket to success or inclusion is to suck up to any and everyone whose position they envy. Beyond what is necessary or appropriate. Beyond what their pride or integrity should allow. Soulless losers with no opinions or spine of their own. You know, the ones you hate. The ones you can't stand. The ones that kind of make you puke inside just a little bit. Or maybe it's you. You think pretending you share some group's lame interests shows your similarities. You think ripping on others like you to those not like you shows your strengths against their weaknesses. You think doing your boss's laundry when he has no right to ask you shows your determination and willingness to do what it takes. In today's white-collar world where competition is fierce and status means more and more, the temptation to become one of them, a total behind kisser, is beyond. It's beyond. But why should you not do it? Why should you put yourself or career at risk to those who will? Why be yourself when kissing behinds is so easy and maybe so profitable? Does anybody... Anybody really relating to this in some way? First, people want it, but they don't respect it. People love themselves. They love hearing how awesome they are because it makes them feel important and valued. When it makes them feel, it makes them feel good. We all do. And so there's nothing more awesome in the world to a person's ego than some dude worshiping at their feet who do anything and say anything to feed the narrative in their minds that they're so important or so powerful. But do you think they respect this person? Do you think they view them as equals? No. Respect is something shared amongst those who would have reason to respect each other. In the social pyramid of society, respect is lateral. Worship, though, is only ever upwards. Because people worthy of respect do not kiss behinds. And when you do so, you show, your, you show your true place on that pyramid, and it isn't high. Second, you think it helps you, but no, it labels you. You think by going above and beyond what is reasonably necessary or at all expected will help you. 
You think it will win you favor or esteem in the eyes of those above you so that when the boss is in search of someone to fill that new position or when the social circle you're trying to claw your way into needs another friend, they'll come crawling to you because you have so much in common and speak so highly of them and do so much for them. And maybe they will, but you will never be an equal. You'll have won what you wanted, but received what you didn't expect. Then when you're the behind kisser for the initial time you know a person, you're expected to be the behind kisser for the remaining time you know that person. You are and remain in their mind. The behind kissing lesser person they can control and push around. Your position may change, but your status does not. Finally, your pride and integrity are worth more than the salary you make or the friends you have. When, you're, when you think you're less than others, then behave as though you're less than others. You become less than others. You are less. You are nothing to them. When you do every single thing they tell you to do, and tell them every single thing you think they want to hear, you show nothing of your value. Only that you have nothing at all. Only that yourself means nothing to you and should then mean nothing to them. But what is your pride worth? What is your integrity worth? Far more, I promise you, than any job you might get or salary you may earn. So get the job, get the friends, get whatever you want from whoever you want, but earn it. Get it because you've commanded their respect and they value you as you. Not because all they know of you and all they remember of you is that you eagerly bend a knee to kiss their behind. Because you don't need to grovel or suck up or kiss behinds to get what you want in life. That's a pretty edgy article, okay? Uh, But it's great on a couple of levels. One, if you are that sycophant of an individual who really is not authentic in relationship... That's not healthy. It's not biblical, and it's not healthy. But you know what? A lot of people, oh, but those of you who are my staff, okay? (laughs) This has nothing to do with you. (laughs) No, just kidding. The sad reality is, when I read this, the sad reality is it reminds me of a lot of people in in, in how they handle their relationship with God. Their relationship with God. They can't really believe that God loves them for who they are. They continuously think that God needs to be appeased in some way. That they have to do His laundry. That they need to grovel before Him. That in and of themselves, God doesn't just love them and want to be in relationship with them. Many believers struggle with this. Is your faith in Messiah Yeshua based on your genuine, personal, relational passion for God? Or are you trying to kiss up to God? It's really the difference between religion and relationship. Between slavery and freedom. And this morning what I want to argue for is freedom. Freedom. Freedom in Messiah brings relationship with God. As we're going to see, it brings relationship with others too. But the freedom we have in Messiah, because of our personal faith in Yeshua, brings us this amazing relationship where God loves us for who we are, not for what we do. I am the first person to challenge people toward productivity. 
Again, you can ask my staff, okay? But, but, relationship means it's not what you produce for me. Relationship is love because of who you are. That's what God wants. That's what we should all want for one another. And hopefully by the end of this message, you will be encouraged that in Messiah we have freedom and that this this freedom brings us into an ever closer personal relationship with God. That our freedom in Messiah brings us closer to Him because our relationship continues to grow closer and more authentic and more understanding. And then the flow over from this is that our relationships with one another also reflect these same important truths. So let's take a look at the text. This text is complex in a lot of ways. And I could probably preach it for about five or six hours, but I promise not to do that this morning. So take a look. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. It says, Don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating and drinking or in regard to a Jewish festival or Rosh Chodesh or Shabbat. These are a shadow of things that are coming, but the body is of the Messiah. I'm going to take it piece by piece here. So the first portion, verses 16 and 17, is emphasis here. We're talking about the freedom in Messiah for choice and from legalism. For choice, from legalism. We can develop personal convictions as followers of the Messiah. This is incredibly important. But there's a big difference between personal conviction and legalism. Okay, there is, it's a, it's a huge issue. And uh, I'm going to give you here in my notes, you see a, a definition of legalism. Legal, and this is simple, okay, this is non-scientific, but legalism is one's per, one person's convictions being taught as universal scriptural truth. All right, let's think about it for a second. Let's, let's look at it. There are certain directions, we're going to talk about this several times tonight, this morning, but the Torah gives us as Jews certain clear statements of responsibility. As Jewish people, we are to keep the Shabbat. We are to keep kosher. These are statements from the Torah, okay, that are usually tied to all kinds of things. All right, as Jewish people, some of us keep Shabbat in a particular way. Some of us keep it in a different particular way. When it comes to kosher, it's the same thing. It really comes down to conviction. My wife and I constantly fight about dairy. When I'm having meat on Friday night, she always wants to throw butter into the mashed potatoes. Okay? And I say, no, I don't want you to do that. Now, for me, it's an issue of conviction. I really try not to mix. For her, it's all about taste, you know? (laughs) As we all know, butter tastes a whole lot better than para of anything. Now, I could say, my conviction is universally to be the way things are done. Of course, it wouldn't work well with her, but it would not be biblical or appropriate to take something that is a personal conviction on something like that and try to expand it for everybody. Now, we do understand that within Jewish tradition, all right, halacha is Jewish law. It is the development of how to do the, 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 the statements in the Torah in normal Jewish life. And they become, in essence, law. And, of course, we, you know, we, we understand how, at times within the, the Jewish world, uh, that this can be a problem. And people get all caught up into these, in essence, legalisms. Okay? Uh, what's important for us to understand, though, is God wants us to develop personal convictions. 
God wants us to develop choices in terms of how we will live our lives when there are biblically gray areas. Okay? Uh, I don't have cable. I don't have cable because there's so much junk on cable. I will not judge you for cable. Maybe David because he has all, all this football stuff. But, but oh, you, you don't have cable? Oh, how do you watch football? <laughs> I will not judge him for that. There is so much gray that exists in the believing life. And you need to make sure that you are doing what you are doing out of faith. Okay? If you choose to get Netflix, you know, and you and you and you watch certain shows and you have established boundaries for yourselves that 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 are consistent within the overall, you know, understanding of the biblical text, I'm not going to argue with you about it. If you have never thoughtfully considered what you watch or what you listen to, you know, then I encourage you to develop some personal convictions. Because as followers of the Messiah, we have freedom. And as Shaul says, you know, we, you know, all things are, are, all things are lawful. Not everything is profitable. And so we develop, we must develop personal convictions in our lives as followers of Messiah Yeshua so that we have boundaries when we handle these things that, that are gray, that are really gray. He brings up in this text this argument or discussion, don't let anyone pass judgment in regards to eating and drinking Jewish festivals, Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, okay? This is interesting because within the Jewish world, people constantly disagree with one another on how to observe Shabbat, even within the religious community. In Skokie, we have an Eruv. How many of you know we have an Eruv in Skokie? All right? The Eruv in Skokie is great if you abide by an Eruv. But you know what? Not every religious Jew believes in the Eruv. And so you can imagine that there are some people who believe in the Eruv who are carrying stuff to the synagogue and other people walking down the street who are also Orthodox that are saying that you're breaking Shabbat. We have points of disagreement. What's an Eruv? An Eruv is like an, it's like an enclosure. You can, you can encircle a city in such a way that, the, that it becomes an expansion of your house. So you can carry in your house, you can carry within the Eruv. Okay, that's a simple understanding. All right, sorry about that. As followers of Messiah, as Jewish followers of Messiah, as we're going to talk about later, you need to be thinking in terms of personal conviction, how you will expand on what is clear to us. Don't tell me eating a pork chop is, is appropriate. The Torah says, as Jews, it's not. It's not. But if you're going to, you know, you know if, you're, if you're going to eat meat that's not strictly kosher, that's okay if that's your conviction. Because strictly kosher is just a traditional Jewish approach to making sure we don't eat treif. Okay, does that make sense? And if you choose to eat strictly kosher, have that understanding based on personal conviction that you're not willing to judge the rest of the world about. Same is with cheeseburgers, although it's such an important Jewish tradition. But I'm not going to judge you if you have a personal conviction, you thought it through. But make sure you think it through. And in regards to all these things, Shabbat, you know, all the different things. But what's really important here, and this is the point of this 
uh, uh, text in verses 16 and 17 is that we have to develop personal convictions about how we are living our lives as followers of the Messiah Yeshua and as Jewish followers of Messiah Yeshua that avoids legalism. In the last part of the text, these are a shadow of things that are coming, but the body is of the Messiah. He's not denigrating these things. That's extremely important to remember. He is not saying, well, all this stuff, you know, he's not doing a Marcionite thing where he's basically saying all this stuff with the Old Testament's garbage, it's of no value. He is basically trying to, to articulate what is important. What is important is our faith in Messiah. What is important is our unity together. We're going to disagree in different ways. Within this synagogue, we have established certain rules that allow for commonality. The meat that is served here is strictly kosher. Why? So everybody can eat. We don't mix. Why? So everybody can eat. But what we do in the synagogue here in this facility is at a level to encourage unity. Does that make sense? Priority must be focused on the right place. And the right place is always uh, our Messiah and the building up of His kingdom. Yeshua is God's true substance for our lives. We are to seek Him and His kingdom. And His kingdom is the body of Messiah and the building of the body until our Messiah Yeshua returns. Jewish life, calendar life, or Jewish life, calendar and lifestyle are based in Scripture. And if this is an area where you're not sure, then talk to me. But, but it's, it's there, and you see it in the New Covenant as well as in the Hebrew Scriptures. Jewish life, calendar, and lifestyle are based in Scripture, help point us to God and provide a framework for how we live our lives as Jews. But Jewish tradition, which makes up most of how we observe Jewish life, let's be honest, uh, how we observe Jewish life, calendar, and lifestyle are based on subjective personal choices, per people's convictions, that eventually got kind of written down into what is uh, really halakha or... Uh, um, uh, forgetting a word here but uh, anyway the, the, these things that easily today can, can get us to a point of legalism now verses uh, 18 and 19 they speak about something else in regards to our freedom it says in verse 18 don't let anyone deny you the prize by insisting that you engage in self mortification or angel worship such people are always going on about some vision they've had and they've vainly puffed themselves up by their worldly outlook they fail to hold to the head from whom the whole body receiving supply and being held together by its joints and ligaments grows as God makes it grow alright so true spirituality. What is true spirituality? True spirituality should lead us to connecting with one another. Right? Freedom in Messiah leads to connecting. Or as I say, freedom in Messiah for connection and from division. Uh, I was talking to... There's a particular... Uh, I was speaking someplace and we were, I was talking to a guy about uh, congregational division. <laughs> and, you know, believers just often have a reputation for always being divided, okay? I guess it comes with the fact that everybody's got an opinion. And, of course, when you got two Jews, you got three opinions. That's the joke, all right? But, uh, but it's not true. I'd say it's more like four or five. But the point is, is that true spirituality, true spirituality should lead to connecting with God and with other people. God is God. He's God. When we recognize that he created us and we are just dirt with some other, you know, some chemicals and some water, you know, it's only the, the, the nephesh, it's only the spirit that God has given us by which we live. We are nothing. There's a great illustration I was reading. It's, 
you, know, you read all these illustrations. A Roman general comes back, and uh, he just great, you know, great conquering job. He probably just went and beat up the Gauls or you know the the Britannians or something. Anyway, he's coming into Rome, and whenever the big generals would come into Rome, they would throw a big party. And uh, he evidently was uh, a really a humble guy, you know. And and so he asked one of his lieutenants to sit in the front of the chariot. And so as he's going through, standing in the chariot, people are going, "You're wonderful! You're wonderful! You're wonderful!" And the guy who's his lieutenant, his trusted friend in the chariot, is going, "You're not that good." You're not that good. You're not that good. You're just a man. I can't tell you the problem of ego among religious leaders. You've got to have somewhat of an ego, I suppose. Or at least you've got to have chutzpah. But pride kills and it divides. Humility connects. God wants us to practice true spirituality, which connects us. First of all, as believers, we are connected with Messiah Yeshua as our source of spiritual vitality. Do we truly have a passion for Him? A passion for Yeshua, a desire to know Him, a desire to better understand Him and His teachings and all that He represents? Hopefully we do. But connecting with Him is critical. As believers, we also are connected with Messiah's body. For our spiritual growth and spiritual growth of others. If you're not really passionate for Messiah, you're not going to be really passionate for other people who are part of the body of Messiah. We need to understand how that works. We start with our passion for God, our passion for knowing our Messiah. And then out of that really will grow a passion for others. Do you like to get together with other believers? Do you find that, that, that it charges you? And do you find that you are able to encourage and charge others? If not, then I encourage you to prayerfully consider your passion for Messiah. You know, one of the things that I always challenge within this community is that we look at this place as our community to connect and that we should desire to be here every time the doors open. Now, I've noticed that the congregation's gotten older, meaning when people got out of high school and into college, that, that people began to get busy. It used to be that, I remember Vlad and I talked about it once, Vlad's like, can we do something every single night of the week? And I said, I don't think people will come all that often. But that passion to be with others, it's a wonderful passion. Do you have that passion? Do you come here every chance you get to connect? Do you connect with other believers outside here for encouragement and for spiritual growth and vitality? We need to do that. True spirituality. True spirituality will always lead to connecting with God and connecting with others. False spirituality always leads to division. All right? Um, False spirituality always does this. Uh, It talks about here in the text, avoiding individuals who claim special knowledge or vision. Uh, I mean, we're living in a world today where all kinds of people are coming up with all kinds of stuff. In fact, there's some great skits on on, uh, self-proclaimed prophets. You know, uh, Saturday Night Live and some of these guys, you know, they've come up with some great skits on this stuff because it's so common, it's ridiculous. But sometimes, even within our believing community, every once in a while, somebody, and I think because of pride, will raise his head and basically say things, gather a crowd, cause lots of trouble. They claim special knowledge, some unique thing, some unique vision, which has not been analyzed or submitted to the thoughts of others. And usually those people cause nothing but trouble. Avoid those people. 
False teachers are always known by pride. They're known by their pride. They're known by their uniqueness, their separation, their unwillingness to submit to others. I've been working. It's been driving me nuts the last couple of days. Uh, a unique situation, a very sad situation, working with a fellow, trying to get him to humble himself because of a division. And what's really wonderful is, is everybody on this side of the table is willing to humbly interact. The one fellow on this side of the table is refusing to interact, and it will lead to his destruction. And I can't get the guy to listen. So my encouragement to you, <laughs> all right, is be humble. Avoid people that are not humble. And always remember that uh, piety in and of itself does not really mean true spirituality. Okay? Jim Jones was a very religious man. All right? A very zealous, prophetic type person. Until he killed all of his followers in Ghana with Kool-Aid. You know, back in, I think, was it the 80s or 70s? I can't remember anymore. All right? We always have to be aware of false teachers. And they're identifiable by their pride and their exclusivity and their division. True followers of Messiah connect. They connect with other believers. Not just their own, their own little pool either. They connect beyond it. Because true followers of Messiah, pursuing true spirituality, want to connect with the greater body of Messiah. Now the third thing we're going to talk about here is take a look at verses 20 and 23. If along with the Messiah you died to the elemental spirits of the world, then why, as if you still belong to the world, are you letting yourselves be bothered by its rules? Don't touch this. Don't eat that. Don't handle the other. Such prohibitions are concerned with things meant to perish by being used, not by being avoided. And they are based on man-made rules and teachings. They do indeed have the outward appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed religious observances, false humility, and asceticism. But they have no value at all in restraining people from indulging their old nature. Freedom in Messiah, first, is for choice and from legalism. Second, for connection and from division. And third, for godliness and from religiosity. You know, uh, when I became a new believer many years ago now, uh, the one thing that, that people stressed to me is that we're, you know, we're talking about relationship with God, not religion. Relationship with God, not religion. But, all right, fine, you know, we're a synagogue. You know, we, we have our, our own particular minhag and how we operate. We have this religiosity in a sense. Okay, I mean definition, you know, dictionary definitional approach. I understand all that. But what's so important is we have to understand, and this is the whole kiss-up thing, okay, is that we do not earn our merit from God by keeping a bunch of rules. We do not earn our merit from God by keeping a bunch of rules. We come into relationship with God by faith. And God, who knows the hearts of individuals accepts people into his family because of that faith. He doesn't weigh out their religiosity. We as Jews do what we do because we're Jewish people operating within our community, trying to maintain our identity through our traditional practices. But it is not because of our religiosity. It is not because of our minhag and our customs and our religious practice that we're in relationship with God. Uh, we're not trying to grow closer to God simply because we want Him to see us doing these things. We do these things because it's our tradition. It's just the way Jewish people worship. We can worship like a bunch of Christians, but, but why would we do that? We're Jews. <laughs> okay? 
God wants us to be in relationship with him. And when we believe, he looks at us. If you can almost imagine, think back when you became a believer. God's been working on you for some time, trying to get you to wake up, realize that he's real, <laughs> okay? Realize that Yeshua is the Messiah. And at some point, you finally engage. You finally, in some way, surrender to him and believe. And, and God's just sitting there waiting for you to get to that point. And when you simply, by faith, believe, he says, ah, awesome. You know, the angels start singing and uh, bells start ringing. And you're, you're part of his family. And he accepts you based on that alone. And I believe in my thought, when he accepts you, he keeps you. He doesn't kick you out later on because he finds you inadequate <laughs> to his expectation. He grabs you and holds you tight for all of eternity. That's what I believe. He doesn't sit down and do an evaluation process with you. Six months. Let's see how he's doing. He's not meeting expectation. I'm just going to give him a pink slip. <laughs> you know, we don't have to think, okay, am I reading my Bible every day? Because if I don't read my Bible every day, I'm ticking God off. And God may decide that I'm not really fit for his family and decide that he wants to remove me from the list. We don't earn extra merit from God by keeping extra rules. I remember uh, many years ago when I used to dive in with the Lubavitch that this was, this was the one thing that you should just nod at me. And it, you know, I don't know if it's totally common, it was just one circumstance, but there is a thought of merit. Merit as Jews. We go to synagogue, we, we do certain things, there is this element of merit where we are in essence earning before God spiritual you know, value. Our accounts with God are going up when we do certain things. It's, it's a false understanding. Belief in Yeshua grants us all the merit we will ever need because God wants our relationship to be with Him by faith. And then the truth, though, is, is, is that what we do comes out of that relationship. It's just simply demonstrating love. Maybe you're here and, and you say you believe, but you don't feel like you have a connection with God. My encouragement for you is to ask, really for you to consider, on what basis are you seeking to connect with God? Do you really, by faith, have you really, by faith, believed in Yeshua's atonement for the forgiveness of your sin? Are you really trusting on that alone as the basis for your relationship with God? Or are you really thinking in terms of, of the rules? And yeah, I believe, but I know that you know, God really is happiest with me when I do A, B, and C. It's important that you understand that our relationship with God is always by faith alone, believing in His grace and mercy for us, and that God simply wants a relationship with us. He's not interested in your religiosity. That's all it's about. You're here on a Saturday, but he wants to be in relationship with you on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday night. And that there should be no difference in your desire for him and your passion for him from a Saturday morning to a Tuesday morning to a Thursday night. The challenge here in this particular text is that people, again, are confusing religiosity with real, true godliness. 
and they're using these same issues of don't touch this, don't eat that, don't handle the other. You know, he's not again denigrating Torah. I mean, fortunately, with a lot of Christian theologians and commentaries, they basically use all this to talk about that the Torah is done away with, it's no longer relevant. When they miss the main point, which is it's so easy for people to fall into legalisms. Christianity is full of legalisms. All right? Paganism was full of legalisms, by the way. Yeah, Jewish people have developed legalisms, if we want to look at it that way, with halakha and all the minhagim and all these things that exist. This isn't a denigration of Torah. This is really a challenge for godliness and from religiosity. As followers of Messiah Yeshua, there are rules. There are rules. I hope none of you go out and eat blood sausage. It's prohibited to eat blood. I love saying that to my German friends. Okay? You're prohibited to eating blood. Why people would eat it in the first place, I have no idea. But in some places in Eastern Europe and Middle Europe, they eat this stuff. And I love saying to believers, Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, can't eat it. That's a universal command. As Jewish people, God has given us specific rules related to keeping us as his unique people. All followers of Messiah. All followers, there are, there, are, there are guidelines for how we live our lives, differing upon our unique callings and responsibilities. There are rules that God has laid down, boundaries to guide us. But the question is, are we trying to follow God by simply keeping those rules? Or are we following God just because we love him? These rules we understand as just the guidelines of, of, of living within the family of Messiah. It's a really important difference. So, in conclusion, the controls of life for the true believer come from within. That's really what it comes down to. Fundamentally, we must develop convictions, personal convictions that fill in the gray areas of the text in the modern world. I'm not sure Moses ever thought there would be high-speed internet. Okay? But I am sure if he was writing his Torah today, he'd be saying, and by the way, everybody in the land, all the, all the uh, B'nai Israel needs to have a, a, uh, a content filter. <laughs> Add that to the list there, you know. How are you following God's instructions within our context, building convictions, personal convictions? Remember, genuine piety grows out of inward conviction generated because of our relationship with Messiah Yeshua. Let me read that again. Genuine piety grows out of inward conviction generated because of our relationship with Messiah Yeshua. How are you living out your freedom in Messiah? And there are a couple of things I want to mention. First of all, I'm going to start with the third one. Can you understand the difference between religion and a relationship with God? That is so important. If you cannot really differentiate between religion and relationship, maybe you really don't understand it. Okay? The next point there, do you quickly judge the spirituality of others based on your own personal convictions instead of clear biblical teaching? This is where a lot of division comes from. Even within our Messianic Jewish movement. You know, some people really think everybody should be really froom. You know, wear payas and black hats. You know, women have to wear long skirts and uh, things like that. Some people say, you know what? 
I'm into more of a renewal style of Jewish life, you know. I want a drum circle in the front and we can barbecue on Shabbat in the back and all. Listen, there are variants that exist. We must demonstrate grace and we must develop our own personal convictions, avoiding judgmentalism toward others. Extremely important. Don't quickly judge the spirituality of others. And then how strongly do you desire to know Messiah Yeshua? Are you open to honest discussion regarding the scriptures with other believers? Or do you think you have a unique corner of biblical knowledge? Two points here. Really, do you have a passionate desire to know who Yeshua is? If you don't, then almost nothing I've talked about today is really relevant. You need to chew on that. But the other point is important. Are you open to discussion? No one has a corner on the truth when it comes to the absolute knowledge of the biblical text. Maybe Howard Silverman, Rabbi of Beth Messiah, who is a very good friend of mine, because Howard is a tremendous leader and a great scholar. But even Howard would say, I don't have a corner on the truth. I know I don't. All right. But let's be honest in our discussion. This desire to know from one another. Let's learn and be humble before God and man. That we might truly live out our freedom in Messiah. In relationship with God. Ever more developing relationship with God. As well as with one another. Let's close in a word of prayer. God we thank, thank you so much for the truth of your word. And the challenge of it. And God I thank you that in Messiah. We have, we have this amazing relationship with you. That is free. It is not based on our merit and our efforts and our religious practice. It is based simply by faith in Messiah Yeshua's atonement. God, help us, though, to live out our freedom for your glory. Help us, God, to desire to connect with one another, to do good works in your name, so that the world might know that you indeed are God and that Yeshua is indeed the Savior of the world. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.